I have a question for you. Do you sense that your life has a north star, a big field of vision that you're moving toward that releases hope and vision into your life? Hey there, my friend. Welcome. This is Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode number 53. The horizon we're moving toward is that Jesus knows how life works best now. The future is his, and we're starting to experience it in the present. You can hear the previous three episodes in this series, Achieve. Episode 50 is with Joshua Falto, High Def Living for a New Season. Episode 51 with Tom Schwab, Gratitude Powers, Higher Achievement. And episode number 52 with me, a solo episode, Smart People Know This, Your Tongue and the Heart Behind It Steers Your Life. Ken Roberts is our guest today to close out this mini-series. He's an author, speaker, online trainer, and life coach. You can see his mothership, KenLRoberts.com, his website. With Christ, our life is about a stewardship. It's not how we normally think of success, being faithful, and leaving the results to the Creator. This is a perfect way to close the loop on our four-part series, Achieve. By the way, please, you can start this dynamic of Achieve not just in January, not just in December and January at the beginning of a new Gregorian calendar year, but anytime you're approaching a new season. It could be a new quarter, a new week, maybe the spring, summer, fall, winter is an approach. Or maybe you're just up against a new, a new edge, a new life horizon that's unfolding, and it's obviously a new season. Maybe you're moving, starting a new career. Maybe a baby's coming. Maybe you're getting married. Maybe you're going to college. Those are obviously new seasons which are starting, and you can start a new season at any time throughout the year. So if you're listening to this in April or June or September, these, these dynamics in this series, Achieve, is for any time of the year, any time a new season begins. I think you'll enjoy and benefit from this dialogue. Please forgive the audio connection. It was some type of a bandwidth issue or Wi-Fi issue. Ken has a great mic and a great setup on his end. There was some something with the connection. I just want to encourage you to press through. This is, a, this is I think, some golden content. A few hiccups along the way audio-wise. Not too bad. But just understand that we, we're aware of it and we're upping our quality with these connections. The real quality to be concerned about here is the content that Ken's bringing to the table. So thanks for being on the show, Ken Roberts. Here we go. Okay, Ken Roberts, thank you for investing time with us. I was going to say spending. I'm going to say investing. How's that sound? <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> That's better, hey, isn't it? It's, it's better. Yeah, when we spend things, we, it seems like we're losing things. But when we invest, there's a promise of uh, a return, right? It's good to be back with you. Yeah, I've kind of been doing the same thing, Brian. Is I've, Instead of saying busy, which is a very common in our language, I've tried to say I've been purposefully productive, Ooh, which is a, see? It's a whole different thing than busy. Busy is one thing being, being uh, moving ahead, but being purposefully productive. You can still be busy, but it's in a different way. I love that. And it's amazing how we can use new language and sort of reframe our thinking. I really, I really like that. We need to be intentional about our words, about our language. Um, that's been, good. We've, we've been on this little mini series that's simply been called Achieve, and it's obviously at the first part of 2019. However, Ken, we're saying that we really shouldn't tie this stuff to December and January. We should be thinking about these issues maybe on a quarterly basis or somehow throughout the year, right? Uh, like new seasons and not just waiting until 
the Gregorian calendar ends <laughs> in December, right? Yeah, I think, you know, the calendar helps us just because it's kind of a, in our own rhythms, but for sure it needs to be done on uh, seasonal way. I think about it in a couple of different things, Brian. Think about it from uh, our overall life focus or life, purpose, you know, I call the North Star. That's our big picture, big, big direction. Mm-hmm. It's not a um, defined point that we necessarily get to a, at a defined time, but it's, a, it's an area that we're moving toward. And so that's that's the big, you got to start there. And then from there, you work backwards. Like a big picture, life orientation, North Star, and, exactly. then, and then engineer yeah. backwards and bring it into closer to you. Because productivity and even time management, it's good. We need we need time management, but time management has its most purpose when it's connected to our overall overall life purpose and life life goals. So we start from the big and move to the small. Do you think it's helpful to think of like a ninety day year? Think of quarters, and um, instead of like three hundred and sixty five days, but maybe have yearly goals. And and it's as you're saying generally orientated towards this larger, longer North Star view horizon. But should 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 we break it down into quarters, the so-called 90-day year? I think it's a good way to do it. If I had a four-step process, which I don't necessarily, but, you know, it would be starting from your big uh, North Star, you know, your overall, hey, where do I want to, who would I want to further become, what I want to further accomplish, whatever mm-hmm. I feel my assignment on the planet is, so to speak. And then you move from there. Where do I want to be in three, three to five years? Uh, just large brush ideas. You know, I'm, I'm like you. I write some books. So it takes me to you. For me, it takes me a couple of years to write a book. Mm-hmm. So I have to have that out there three to five years. I want to do this. And I feel like I've got a couple more books I want to get out and et cetera. So that's a three to five year big brush thing. Then I move it back to, to a yearly goals. And so if I look at 2019, what seven, eight, things do I feel like I want to accomplish this year? They say if you do over more than seven or 10, that's too many, you know? So, uh, and again, I list those, what they are. I've got them. Uh, I, I have a book that I use that I keep them in. Then from there, I move to the quarterly, quarterly ones. So this quarter of those 10, what steps am I going to take toward either all of them or only three of them? But then that quarter gives me focus. So yeah, it's going from the big to the small. Then from the quarter, I move actually to my weekly okay. preview. You know, what three big wins am I trying to do today? Today we're doing this recording. It's on a Thursday. So today, what three things am I trying to accomplish that are connected to my weekly goals, quarterly goals, yearly goals, life purpose goals? And so, uh, and then that helps me to know, okay, the next eight hours, uh, if I have three un- three undivided hours, blocks of time, Here's the three things I'm going to try to accomplish today. So uh, that's a big brush. It's uh, not everybody works that way, but it's really a way to think about it. I, I think it is. So like, I think we need to paint the canvas of our lives with big brush and small, smaller mm-hmm. brushes, right? Exactly. Just to use yeah. that so, sort of that metaphor. Um, yes. How are Christ followers doing today with like these issues of personal life vision and strategic planning, goal setting, and, and, and then being able to tactically execute on those goals like you're talking about? Yeah, I don't know what the numbers would be. I, you know, my my observations just in my own life and with those who uh, followers, other Christ followers that I'm around, uh, being aware of the church world, et cetera, it doesn't seem like it's as high as it should be. Uh, you know, I have said to you in the past in some conversations we've had that really, I think, as believers, uh, we should be the most motivated, most productive, most purposeful people on the planet. You know, we've got a message to communicate. We've got a life to live. We've got, you know, uh, love of the kingdom to, you know, spread, et cetera. So when you think about it, 
we should be the most productive and the most purposeful. But I would say that my um, my experience has been that we're not. And uh, I'm not sure exactly why. I think there's a, maybe a couple different things. Uh, you know, one a lot of the personal development material, I simply mixture in it. Uh, it has kingdom, it has godly universal principles in it as well, but it's kind of, they've been kind of tweaked or, you know, twisted a little bit. And so I think a lot of believers say, yeah, that's, you know, I don't want to mess with that stuff. It has mixture in it. So they throw it out. Okay. Like, like the Tony Robbins stuff, right? Like goal setting and life, life envisioning. And maybe there's some kingdom threads in there somehow, some universal truths that are there, but then we get what averse to it. We, we pull away from it. That's what I think. Cause I think there are a lot of universal, uh, you know, principles and truths in there that really comes from God's creation and God's ways. Mm-hmm. But then the, what they're, I call them, they're, uh, they have uh, they have a different worldview, you know, and oftentimes they have a different motive and different medium of getting there. Than, and so believers kind of can, uh, Christians can kind of move away from it and uh, do nothing at all. And, or they simply adopt it. They're not aware. Uh, they have their spiritual life and then they have their personal development or professional uh, development and they seem like the two don't intermingle, and they actually should be. One should be the foundation of the other one. Yeah, we should have more of an integrated, holistic approach to life. And I mean, they're saying things like they're talking about the universe or the universal mind. And we just say, hey, like, sort of like John said in the Gospel of John, I'm going to tell you what that is. That's the Logos. That's Christ, yes. right? <laughs> that is the central organizing principle and mind that the Greeks were talking about or trying to talk about. Yeah, or a lot of times there's a mixture of, you know, of, of humanism in it, you know, it's sure within is. us, yeah. we can do this, yeah. put your mind to it, we can accomplish anything. And or there's a worldview of materialism, it's really the motive is for us to gain more, to get more, to move up the ladder, to have more success by this world systems. And, uh, and again, a lot of the principles of how you get there are fairly true, you know, it takes risk, it takes faith, it takes discipline, uh, you know, it takes growth, I mean, so are there it, it has a lot to do with what we see, what our meditation is, mm-hmm. what we speak on, what our confession is. So all those things really are biblical principles that are used in the personal development movement. But they can, again, be uh, have a different worldview behind them and a different motivation behind them. Yeah. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, I think we should be fruitful because I it's my, it's my conviction, and I hope I have interpreted the word properly on this, you know, I believe that one day I'm going to give an account for what I've done with what the, the gift and the opportunity God's given me. I'm obviously not going to get to heaven based upon that. So I'm very clear on that. And but I do believe that there's a, um, you know, there's a somewhat of a, a report card or reckoning with what I've done with my life when I've been on the planet. There sure is. And I've, I've you know, recently, Ken, I've recently have found myself thinking like, you know, Paul tells us in Corinthians that we are all going to appear before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be appraised for our works done during this time on earth. And I'm not going to be able to hold my wife's hand there. I mean, it's going to be me by myself. And so I'm trying to work back from that point. I'm trying to keep that horizon like consciously in front of me and that sense of stewardship, right? And responsibility. Yes, same with me. That's what I say. You know, the thing from a biblical point of view, this whole thing about development, personal growth, uh, you know, world, et cetera, it has more to do with stewardship, not success. That's a big distinction. It is about stewardship. You know, we, you and I are responsible to be good stewards. Again, I you use the passage from from Paul there, which I use as well. And the other one I use is, is the, is the uh, parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. You know, he gives us 
things and then to use them. And he kind of gives us an open field to plant in, to work in, to cultivate, to, you know, uh, build certain things. But at the, at the end of the day, I think he's going to come back and ask us, okay, you know, Ken, what did you do with what I gave you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to hear him say to me, uh, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think Dallas Willard talks about our lives being a seed now of what we always will be, who we always will be, what we always will be doing. There's there's this this destiny, this code that's in us, you know, that's totally unique and in the new heavens and it but we we want to start now and run as fast and hard as we can now, right? And NT Wright talks about how mm-hmm. like in Genesis 3 with the temptation of the serpent Satan behind the serpent, that it was an appeal that you, Eve, and you, Adam, can be the king. You can Uh be God. You can know as God, and you can be the king. And really, outside of Christ's kingdom, there, you know, so we talk about these other, like, uh, these other teachings that Christians have shied away from, you know, personal empowerment and, you know, goal setting and life envisioning. And it's coming from a different worldview, but we are not the king. I've recently had a conversation that really helped me that we're called to be a vice regent of the Uh, king. uh And there's a big difference. He's given us his authority and he has a destiny and a plan for us, but we execute his kingdom on his behalf and live our story, right? And fit our story into his greater narrative. Um, And so Christians, I think, need to feel permission. Go for it, right? have a vision, do planning, do goals and execute on it, but do it as a vice regent and don't be afraid of it. That's a powerful concept. Yeah. To be on this, this, uh, you know, co-commission yeah, <laughs> you know, co- with, the, yes. with the king. Yeah. Integrating you know, their, yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Scripture to me has been um, uh, John 15, very familiar one, but you know, the older I get, you know, and as we're doing this podcast, I'm 62, you know, so, and I've kind of been at this thing a long time, but the older I get, the more I really do believe Jesus word where word where he said to us, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. But as we stay connected to the vine, as we live out of our union with him, mm-hmm. you know, he, he helps us to do these things. So as I'm writing a book or as I'm putting together a talk or as I'm working on a seminar or as I'm doing an online course or as I'm doing a podcast with you or whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really do go to the core of to say, God, I, I don't have the ability to do this apart from you. But with you, because you work in me and you work through me and because what you have done in me, you know, I can do these things. So that's, that's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a connection between both of them. Apart from me, you can do nothing with you. I can do all things as I'm working with It's you. either nothing or all things, right? Exactly. <laughs> Those, yeah. I mean, I want to go for all things. And I think Jesus is looking for that. And that's where the joy and energy's at. And, uh, you know, so I, I think some research from Barna says that Christians, evangelical Christians are no better than than non-Christians in terms of having a life purpose wow. and a sense of a of of a of a this North Star kind of orientation. And and that's sad, Ken, isn't it? That's you're right. We should be the most empowered creative people on the planet. I heard a stat as well. I've never heard that Barna stat, but that is sad to me. It's very, it's very uh kind of you know disturbing to me. Another stat I heard is only one out of 10 people know what they want out of life, which is similar to a life purpose. You know, it's not just passion or entertainment or pleasure, but the whole idea is, you know, 
instead of life just pushing us around or being uh, on the treadmill and not sure which direction we're trying to lead, what we're trying to accomplish, who we're trying to become, if we don't have that because the way life is, it pushes us down tracks and causes us to drift and twist us in somebody who we, we don't want to come. I've always say that we never where we we never get where we want to get by drifting. Mm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to be in an inner tube going down uh, the stream on a Sunday afternoon, you know, and ending up at the place where you, you know, the down downstream. Other than that, drifting never takes us where we want to go. And life will push us in a direction that ends up not being intentional or purposeful if we're not intentional ourselves. And I just think that God has put that in us as well. I think there's a desire for us to, you know, to contribute, uh, to um, make an impact, to, to make a difference. And whether that's finding the cure for cancer or whether that's being a staying home mom that builds a great family, it's not the uh, issue of what camp you fall into. It's just the issue of there's things in me, there's things of who I become, and there's things I know that God wants me to accomplish, and I want to lean into them. Absolutely. I think I think in the end, I don't know what your theology is on, you know, tears in heaven or whatever, but I I think in the end we're gonna have some regrets. I think people are gonna have regrets that they wake up one day and say, What did I do with my life? Well, you know, it's, it it does say I've often thought of that, Ken. It does say he'll wipe away all the tears. Mm-hmm. And I've often wondered what what is that? Where are they you coming know, from? Yeah. Where where are those tears coming from? And I've yeah. I've 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 uh sort of uh feared what you're alluding to, that some of that could be regrets or missed opportunities or living well below what Jesus was asked, you know, the high calling that we have living well below it, but he does wipe it away and heal it and restore it. But why? I mean, we need to think about that right now, don't we? Yeah, we do. You know, instead of drifting down some lazy stream in an inner tube <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a can of beer and some sunglasses on or something. Right. right there you uh, go. That's, I mean, the picture, quite the picture, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. And the, and you know, uh, it's just a muddy river. I mean, I'm not sure how, uh, how motivating or inspirational that, that really is for, for, for like a life vision. Right. But, right. uh, the picture in James three, four is that we are a ship and it's a great ship. It says, and you know, we have many hmm. great issues in our lives and there's a lot of things going on in our lives. And, a lot of edges that we're working on and, and such. And it also talks about great winds there that blow up on the ship. Hmm. But but it talks about our speech or our tongue as a rudder. And it, it says something very interesting there to me uh, recently. This is something that has been underscored for me, Ken, is that it, it says wherever the inclination of the helmsman determines, uh-huh. that's where the ship goes based upon what he does with that rudder. And, of course, the rudder is our speech behind it. It's, it's a heart that speaks through us, but just the issue there of clarity, Ken, and direction, instead of just floating down a river, even though there, there may be storms, right, and winds, and it's a big thing that we're navigating, what is your inclination? What is your clarity? Yeah, you know, some of the stuff that I've kind of put together and some stuff I've studied and, and there's, uh, you know, there's lots of different stuff out there. A lot of it's good. I'm surprised, Brian, by I've never done any 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 work on trying to determine what their life purpose may be. And again, when I talk about a life purpose, it's not a, you know, it's not a 70 year, 75 year life plan. It's not a straight line, but it's an indication of this is who I am. This is how I've been made. This is the design that's in me. This is uh maybe an assignment, you know, that I have. 
And uh, some of the stuff that I've worked on and it's been helpful as I've helped other people as well has been kind of a five-step process. And I'll, I'll go through it real fast. Okay. It's, but one is uh, what's called Sovereign Foundations. And Sovereign, Sovereign Foundations is simply other people call it early formations. But I call it Sovereign Foundations. Sovereign Foundations, the, okay. Yeah, because, because of the biblical world. All of them are at a certain time, certain place, to a certain family. And we experience things in the early part of our life, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, you know, that have shaped us. And that's Sovereign Foundations. I was born, you know, to a large family. To My dad's a pastor. I grew up in the South. I was around church all my life. I had a great upbringing. You know, missionaries were around my life. Evangelists came through, you know, so... Uh, I was involved. My family was very musical. We traveled a lot. So all those, but my point is all those things shaped me early on. They were sovereign foundations. Now other people have different, they have different upbringings, but still, uh, you know, our past, I always say our past is a raw material to a redemptive future. Sure. Our past is a raw material to a redemptive future. So God uses our sovereign foundation. That's, that's something we don't part. choose. We're born into that, right? We have no choice exactly. in that. So there's a sense of sovereign design over that. Yes. Yeah. And he will use, he will use it through in our life, and he will actually use it as part of our, part of our north star. So that's the first step, sovereign foundations. The second one is the area of gifts. Gifts. You know, what are we gifted at? And again, sometimes we make this way too complicated. And I have a process where you kind of ask three or four questions, and basically, you know what your top gifts are. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's the second one. He you know, all of us have certain certain four gifts. I call it the gift cluster. Mm-hmm. Third is passion. This is a when I coach people through this, this is oftentimes one of the most difficult things is people to actually unearth their passion. What am I really passionate about? Yeah, what's so difficult about that? What's the challenge you know, I with think, people? I think life, I think life disappointment, disillusionment, you know, oftentimes has pushed it underneath. You know, it's those those have become layers. Mm-hmm. Is it like maybe uncomfortable work that we have to do? Yes, we definitely have to do that. Yeah. It takes a little effort, takes a little time. Sometimes it's disappointment. I've always said, you know, our dreams are the place of our greatest pleasure and the place of our greatest pain. Mm -hmm. So if a person has a passion to do whatever, you know, you put whatever it is, let's say it's, you know, write a book and they've never done it. And actually they wrote a book and only three people, you know, read it. Well, that's, that's gutted them of a passion there, yet the passion may still be there. Yep. So passion is a, is the third thing. What are we passionate? What are we passionate about? And we all have those things if we trace them in their life. They're passions that don't go away. They may mature, I say, and they may morph some. They're still there. And can I ask? Define. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask him that the fact that yep. they don't go away, that they're like chronic passions in a good uh-huh. sense, is that a sign that this is something the Creator has sort of built into you? Exactly. You're exactly right. Yep. So that's a sign that there's a seed there of a passion that the creator's put in you. Mm-hmm. So that's the third one is passion. The fourth one is, is really our personality or our temperament. Temperament. Okay. Yeah. You know, and again, we people do a lot of personal profiles and temperament tests and et cetera. But if, if you do those in the context of your North Star, God creates us in a certain way that that make, that aligns us with what we're called to do. You know, for example, again, I'm using myself a lot as this example, but, you know, I, I do a lot of writing and thinking and prep and <laughs> re- reading and et cetera. So by nature, I'm a contemplator and an introvert. Come on, Ken. Yes, I, I am. I love it. No, I, no, I know you are. And I, I just, know, I personally love those temperaments, but go right ahead. Okay. And you know what? So what I'm saying is I couldn't do what my life assignment is if that wasn't part of my temperament. Sure. I mean, why would God give us a temperament that's like antithetical to his design for us? Right? Exactly. So yeah. he matches those things up. And if you look at those, they will also give you an idea. So that's the fourth one. Here's the fifth one then. 
The fifth one is our is our life shaping experiences. Mm. So again, all of us have had things in our life, whether they're early on, uh, later in life, you know, different seasons of life that have really shaped us. And I've gone through things, you know, a little bit of my story, I won't tell it here, but you know, I've gone through things, you've gone through things that end up being really life shaping experience. Now, the thing that's that's uh, that's powerful from a biblical worldview is that God uses all those things and puts them in our life and helps us to point us to our North Star. So my point is if people would simply do a little bit of homework and a little bit of uh, what personal development people call it, reading their own life. Okay. You know, sovereign foundation, gifts, passions, temperament, life-shaping experiences. It jumps out on the wall when you do this and you realize, wow, this is what I was designed to do. This is the direction I need to be leaning toward. Yeah. It gives per- people purpose and motivation. And then when you get knocked off your horse, as I, as I say, you know, which life does for all, kind of, for all of us, we have seasons and situations and, uh, you know, we just, life just overwhelms us. We at least know what horse to get back on <laughs> and, which, <laughs> and which direction to lean into. Where's my horse? And right. if you don't have that, <laughs> if you don't have that, it's just spinning from one season of chaos or, or meaningless to the next. At least you know what horse to get back onto. What a what, exactly. a what a great statement. So, Ken, you're saying instead of binge watching Netflix, we need to spend some time reading our own life, right? And I, you know, I've, I've run across some research recently that says one of the key elements of personal happiness mm-hmm. is having these horizons and having goals and moving toward them. That's a key element. There, there are other factors in happiness, but that is a core one you know, a sense of direction, a sense of movement, right? Yeah, a sense of uh, yeah, purposefulness. I mean, they even say, you know, they, yeah, even some of the studies show, or maybe some of the things that you've read, even with, even with where you work, if you feel that your work is meaningful, you get up in the morning and, you know, and you have motivation to go. Mm-hmm. So just take that and multiply it over the entirety of our life, you know, all the holisticness of our life. If I feel like my life has purpose and a purpose that God's given me, and I'm at least stumbling toward the right purpose, you know, I'm stumbling in the right direction. Uh, it gives me motivation. It gives me purpose. Uh, it helps. Me, it helps me to deal with the headwinds that come at us. It yes. helps me to deal with the, you know, the dark days or you know the days of discouragement or whatever. But I, I at least know uh, this is the purpose I'm trying to lean into because I do think at the end of my life that God will. Uh, say, you know, I hope I wanted to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And to me, again, Brian, that has nothing to do with externals. It has nothing to do with how many books I write and how many people read my books and how many people hear me speak and how many people listen to this podcast and how many people think I'm great. Mm-hmm. I mean, those things are all secondary. It has my own, my own motivation as a faithful uh, son responding to the direction of the father that at the end of my life that I feel like I have been a good steward with what he's given me. Oh, that is time, so good. So the time, the time he's given me, the passion he's given me, the opportunities he's given me, the gifts he's given me, the intellect he's given me, you know, the platforms he's given me. I mean, all those type of things. I say, God, I just want to be a good steward. So at the end of my life, I know I've given something back to you because of what you've given me. And it has nothing to do with my salvation. I'm very clear between the two, two of those things. I don't work out of striving. I don't work out of trying to give his approval. I don't work out of trying to be a better son than somebody else. I don't try to work out of, you know, competing that I've done more than somebody else. It's all, it's all internal motivation regarding God. I I'm just thankful for grace. 
grace of salvation and grace of the gifts and grace of the call. And at the end of my life, Lord, I want to be, I just want to be a good steward. And that will, that will motivate the results, right. And the metrics to God, right. Yes. Oh my goodness. And just being faithful with the stewardship. I was reading in first Peter chapter Mm. five this week, where he talks to elders and he says to elders, you know, look, do this, uh, not under compulsion, do it voluntarily, do it eagerly and not for sordid gain. And um, it talks about the allotments there. There, there are allotments that we will give an account for the allotments. Mm, well, like a given pastor, whatever sphere of quote unquote sheep or pastoral care that God has designed for him to have or her, that is the stewardship that they have, and they will give an account for that that stewardship. You know, it, it's it's it takes a lot of discipline to really stay there with thinking about it in this way. But you know what? You say I'm not a pastor. I'm not. Yeah, most of us aren't. Listen, the allotments of your life. Take the principle. It can be anything, right? What has he called us to do? That's what he's allotted to you. Be faithful and be a steward with that and just enjoy the journey with that. That's what Ken is saying, I think. Um, Yeah, for sure. Now, Ken, Michael Hyatt talks in his book, Your Best Year Ever, that the research, the secular research is now saying that if we can get into an abundance mindset, and I'm starting mm-hmm. to talk now about something called an abundance heart set. You okay. know, not only do we need abundance thinking, but we need to steward our emotional life so that it's an abundant emotional life, because emotions are really what move you, and your emotions, of course, trail how you think. But anyway, abundance mindset, abundance heart set, and t- gratitude, being grateful, the secular research is saying this, that when we then look at the future and look at a new season and start planning and goal setting and developing tactical goals, right, to move on those horizons, that we have better results if we're in that state. Okay, so my question to you, Ken, is that as a developing Christ follower, what can we practically do to put ourselves in a peak state, right, so that we can approach a new season in the most fruitful way possible? How's that for a question? Kind of a lot, but Oh, that's a good one. What do you think? Uh, practically, I think you're, you know, some of the things you've been sharing, I was very, very helpful. I know for me, again, I can, I can share my own story and then others who I help and do a little coaching in this area. But for me, one of them has to do with uh, my, my, has to do with my meditation. All of us have trick, all of us have vulnerable, vulnerable spots in our psyche, in our, in our soul. You know, there's certain things, I say it this way, there's certain things that if he wants to push on in my life, he gets very little response from. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty solid in that area. I'm pretty secure in that area. Okay. Life that in my own, you can say my your own psyche, your own thought patterns, and or the enemy, all, or a combination of you know of all of it. If he pushes on, there's more there's more response than the stimuli warrants. He can push on it, and it really does affect me. Okay. So you have what like an out of proportion response? Yeah. When those buttons exactly. are pushed in certain exactly. areas, where yeah. okay, yeah. And yeah. so that that's I, I, I can't I can't relate to that, Ken. But go ahead. I know you can't. You are so you're so all together. Yes. But I've I've listed you know what my four top ones are, and what I so what I've done is in contrast to those. So I've listed them not only listed them but I've described and defined what they feel like and what my responses are when they're when that's happening. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is and called it, this is called readiness, people. This is called preparedness. Go go right ahead, Ken. <laughs> and this may be more than you want to bid it yeah. Okay. Um, and so and so what I've done is and I've re, I've in response to those, I have I have a meditation. I have meditations, biblical meditations on each one each one of those. 
So anytime I begin to feel it, I'll give you one of those just for an example. One of mine is the one of mine is the fear of rejection. You know, I'm traveling right now. I'm going into a lot of different places. Uh, you know, uh, unfamiliar faces and and having to do a lot of different communication with people who I don't know. It's yeah. my first time. Okay. It's a different environment. So what I what I'm aware of is that the enemy can really push on me for he can really push on me with uh, rejection. Okay. And when I, when I start to feel that, I become timid. I start to pull back. I start to go inward. I'm not as engaging. I'm not serving others, you know. So I, I know the dynamics around it when that's happening. So what I've done is, so what I've done is I now have scriptures on basically identity and purpose that's my counter to rejection. And every time I start meditating on my identity in Christ, and I'm a son loved by the Father, and I'm accepting the beloved and et cetera, it brings me, pulls me out of that, um, out of that path that I want to go down yep. of rejection, and it moves me back to a real secure emotional state. Okay. So I would add to your confession that you've been talking about is the our mental state obviously is also what we confess, or our confession affects our mind, and our mind affects our confession. It goes both ways. So one of the things I would encourage people to know is really to have good biblical meditation. Because our really emotions, yes. our mind is the control center of our life. Uh, some people would say our heart and et cetera. But, you know, you know what I'm saying is that is, is our mind affects everything else. And so our, our meditation, biblical meditation is very, very important because then it affects our emotions. Uh, it affects our motivation and it affects our direction in life. So that would be one thing I would I would start with. Is, Second thing, I would, yeah. go ahead. Super good. Super good gold right there. Go right ahead, Ken. So I do that every morning. It's my morning ritual. I spend time in meditation every morning, biblically. So you're like Never. preemptively meditating and, and oh, affirming yeah. and praying in some of these areas, even before the buttons are pushed? Totally. Yeah. So you're like staying on the front of the wave with this. Yeah. And then I can feel it when the buttons are starting to be pushed. I can I can feel it when I'm pulling back. I can feel it when I'm feeling uncertain. I can feel it when I, you know, one of my other one other my fears, and I'll get, again, I'm just sharing this for illustration. One of my big trigger points, probably my biggest one, is the fear of my financial future. Oh, and I've got things behind that. I've got reasons. I've got, a, you know, there's a history behind that, which I won't tell, but the enemy can push me regarding my fear of death and he hardly gets no response. I am not afraid of death. I love life. I appreciate life, but I'm not afraid of death, but he can push on in my mind, the fear of my financial future. And it can, it can spiral me downward really, really fast. And behind that, there are like probably memories and deep scriptings of experiences, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly right. Made yep. those there's grooves reason, deep. Yep. There's a reason for that trail. Yep. There's a reason for that trail. So if I start to feel that, guess what I do? I immediately go to the meditations that counter that, and it brings me back to a place of health, wholeness, motivation, mental clarity, and it brings me back to motivation for my purpose again. But if I don't go to that then I, it leads me down a trail that's just not good. So I, I preempt those things by my morning meditation. So you're saying it goes beyond just having these things like written down and you know where they're at that you can run to when there's a crisis and the button is pushed. You're saying on a consistent basis, you are preemptively establishing your heart, right? Against yes. it, even before they flare up. Yeah, they're totally right. So when they flare up, your heart is already established in that area, and, and, and you're much more able to deal with it. And then if they do flare up, I know where to go immediately to respond to them. 
I'm not scrambling and wondering now, what should I do? And do I have any scriptures to meditate on? And, you know, how am I going to respond to this? So yeah, it's a preemptive thing as well as a immediate responsive thing that happens. So I, I, that's, I mean, that's a big one because that does affect our, it affects our direction in life. It affects our motivation in life. It's a way that it affects how we see life. It, it affects our confession about life. So I, that's, that's one of my first yeah. ones. Boy, scriptures that are coming to mind are, of course, Romans 12, 2. Yes. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's another one in Ephesians chapter 4 that says, let the spirit of your mind be renewed. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that this even goes deeper. It penetrates deeper, it seems to me. What do you think, Ken, that there is a spirituality to our mind for good or for bad? Totally. There may be strongholds, and there's also strongholds of the Lord in our mind and strongholds of the enemy in our mind. And we have to not only like in some kind of a, like just an intellectual way or a top of mind way of just renewing our mind with truths, there's actually a spirituality to our mind that needs attention. And, and I think that when you're, what, what you're saying here, this is what me, make, makes me think of it, Ken, is that you're talking about meditation and prayer and scriptural affirmation that really gets at the spirit aspect of, of how we think, how we feel. Yeah. And this one would be one of the things, again, that I would say is a, you know, is a universal truth with the whole personal development. It's because in all personal development literature, you, you know, you can't read any of it without saying, uh, you know, meditation is very, very important. But so that's a godly principle. Again, Romans 12 that we just quoted in some other places, it's a godly principle. And so putting the word in us, all also all, all change starts in our mind. Now, as a believer, change starts with our new nature. But mm-hmm. once we have a new nature that comes to us through salvation, all other change, I can guarantee you this, all other change starts in our mind. If you or I are going to move to a next level of growth, guess where for me it has to start? It has to start in my head. I have to be aware of what's the voices in my head that want to keep me back. What's the areas that I don't believe I can move into it? What's the obstacles that are there? What's the you know tapes, the cassette tapes they're playing? that wants to tell me you can't do this, wants to bring unbelief, wants to bring fear, wants to bring a scarcity mentality. So every time I move to a new level that I feel like the Lord's leading me to in my own growth is first of all, I have to have renewing and transformation in my mind. And so it's, it's really is central. Then from there, you know, that's a question you asked me. Then from there, there has to be practical outlooking of it. Stephen Covey, a great uh, personal development guy from many, many years ago, many people would kind of know that name, but he yeah. used this, these two illustrations, which I think are good. He said, you have to move from your compass, which your compass is the idea of your North star. It's your you know direction you're going in. You want to move to it right. and you have to bring it to your calendar. So you have to move it from your compass to your calendar, which is execution. Exactly. Executing so it's block, on it. Yeah. It, it, it blocks the time. It's days you know, that you're going to do certain things that will lead you toward where you want to go. And so you move from, you move from, okay, who do I want to become next? How do I want to grow in my nature in Christ? What's he showing me to, you know, he wants me to further do? What's my next assignment? How do I want to grow? What is the contribution I want to make next? So if I looked again three years down the road and I said, here's where I feel like I'm supposed to be, guess what I have to do? I have to back it up to this year. Then I have to back it up to this quarter. Then I have to back it up to this week. And then I have to back it up to this day. Yeah. And, and that's where I, and that's where I have execution blocks of time in my calendar that I really, uh, you know, I guard for me, I guard certain blocks of time that I'm doing my big stuff then yeah, so that I can, in, cause again, I tell people, uh, it, it's no, you don't know any special powers. And I don't mean this sacrilegious. You don't need any special powers to predict where you're going to be tomorrow. 
all you need is to know what seed you're sowing today will tell you exactly where you're going to be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if I'm going to be a better writer tomorrow, guess what seed I have to be putting me today? I have to be learning how to write better. If I want to be a better communicator tomorrow, guess what I have to do today? I'm going to have to be studying communicators that will help me to improve where I'm at and where I want to be tomorrow. If I want to be a better dad or a better husband tomorrow, and I want to grow in gentleness or kindness in the fruit of the spirit, guess what I have to be doing? I have to be meditating on that and to be doing very practical things in the way I respond to my wife so that in, in three months from now, I'm more kind and I'm a better person in that area. It's not, it's not rocket science and it's not a mystery about who you and I will be tomorrow. (laughs) So we become our own fortune teller. Oh, man. You know, without a doubt. Now, again, you and I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what roadblocks are going to come. We don't know what, you know, challenges may come in our way. I mean, none of us can predict that. And I'm not trying to say that, but you're exactly right. Who you and I are going to become, it's not a mystery. It has everything to do with what we're sowing in our life today. And how do we, and how do we determine what we're going to sow in our life today? It determines by how we're going to use our time and what blocks we're using to when we're sowing what into us when. So good. It's proactive. It is proactive. It's intentional. It's a will set. That that fortune teller down the road who lives in that that shack is a counterfeit to kingdom fortune telling. Yes. Which is a son and daughter of God. Yes. Who's picking up the thoughts of God about them and and the dream of God through them, right? Exactly. My goodness, beginning to get in a peak state with your father, beginning to write some things down, some plans and some goals and beginning to execute on them in a smart, tactical way, you become your own kingdom fortune teller. That's really good. I, let me add one other thing to that. And I know you probably have to wind this down, but let me add one other thing to that. And again, you may know these stats and you uh, may have heard these stats or not. The other thing I would, uh, the other thing I would add to that is our, our relationships, our peers, our colleagues, our co-laborers, I say it this way, they can't become a context or a con- cocoon to keep us in status quo okay a cocoon yes so every time we remain a larvae instead of a yes so every time we're going to move to the next a next uh growth season in our life we have to find people who are already there who can pull us in that direction it doesn't mean we get rid of our friends i'm not saying that but we find people who are already there they're three steps ahead of where we're at in the direction we want to go and we have to, uh, you know, find them in our life so they can pull us in that direction. That can be from a podcast. That can be from a book. That can be from an online course. That can be from a mentor. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be somebody down the street where you meet with for coffee. If you can, that's great. But that's another thing I would say in a very practical way to be a high peak, a high peak performance, is to have the right people in your life that will move you in those directions that you want to go. Mm. You yes. know what the stats are? The stats are, you probably again heard this, and these are these are proven research. If you have a goal in your mind and you don't write it down, you are only 15 to 20% likely to reach that goal. So let's just say somebody who's even disciplined, they're a very disciplined person. I say, hey, I want to write a book next year or whatever, and it's in my head. I only have 20% chance that I'll write the book. If I write the goal down and put it in a place that's visible, I move to about a 40% chance that I'll fulfill that goal. Mm-hmm. But if I partner with you, either as a coach or simply a writing buddy, I will move to 80% chance that I'll fulfill my book simply because I brought you into the loop. That's just how things go. That's the way God's designed it. It's how it works. You will pull me in the direction that I want to go. That is a phenomenal true fact of how to grow. Yeah, it is. 
it really is. And I, and I love that thing about being stuck in an inferior cocoon or maybe a status yeah. quo status cocoon quo. Yeah. that you need yeah. to break out of and, and fly to new heights. And maybe over a course of a lifetime, there will be series of cocoon experiences or metamorphosis, you know, new levels, new heights that we go through. But you're saying we need to level up our connections, ask God for it, look for it, always be probing for it, invest in it, relationships. It's a key. This is so good, Ken. Thank you for spending time with us. This has been a great wrap on this. You're welcome, man. I hope this has been helpful. I appreciate who you are and what you're doing. Many. Oh, thank you. Well, I appreciate you. Go Go to Ken L. Roberts dot com coaching personal church consultation what else can you have courses now that are the developing. one i was talking about about the five steps to find your north star i have a course there you can find on my website a website called life focus online coaching course mm-hmm. it's a four module that will help people uh identify their north star uh define their define and write their personal life uh, purpose statement identify and overcome any barriers that will keep them from getting there and helping them put together a plan that will work. So it's it's really what has come out of you know what were some of the stuff we're talking about, just to help uh, people, uh, mainly mainly followers of Jesus, to be to be fruitful in their life. And what's so the I, new course that's in the works? What what theme is being pursued there? It's uh it's called Staying Power for Pastors and Christian Leaders, a path, a proven path to staying it over the long haul. It's really helped to uh, help pastors. How do we do this thing over the long haul? And how we re- we how do we remain healthy? And how do we continue to grow so we don't get stuck? And I know two two books are out and two are coming, right? Right. And one of the books is what we've been talking about. It's called Focus, a practical guide to a, to a fruitful life. So that's what I'm working on, the book called Focus. And I'm also working on a book called Form, uh, a practical guide to how to become like Christ. The one's a being book. One's about the spirit nature of Christ in us. How do we... How do we and the second one's about a, a doing book. Looking forward to those. So they're they're in process. Wonderful. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate you, okay? Appreciate it, man. All right. God bless. Thank you. God bless. This series has been all about getting yourself into a peak state for planning and creating those focus points, goals, and creating simple tactical steps, plans to execute on our ideas to help us move towards successfully attaining our goals and entering into new productive seasons. My friend, the Christ follower should excel at this. We have what I call Christ energies available to us. We have wisdom from above ourselves, even a sense of shrewdness, a good shrewdness to to really be fruitful and multiply and expand. And we have a bigger than everything story to connect with, to be a part of, and to connect our life story with that greater grand narrative that Jesus is unfolding. Friends, we're glad you're with us. Thanks for rating, reviewing, and even subscribing to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Jesus Smart is now on TuneIn, a large platform for podcasts, radio, music, news, and sports. And when you subscribe to any of these platforms, it helps others discover the content to see if it's a good fit for them. And of course, it's keeping you connected. Now, my friend, if you want to learn and get ahead faster, Jesus is the master teacher, and we're all seeking to learn. You know, at best, I, I've said it several times, and I'm going to keep saying it. I, at best, I see myself as some level of an intermediate Christ follower, okay? But we're all seeking, we're all questing to go further and faster with the Lord. And there's some things that you can do to connect with us 
and we can connect together in a sense of community, a sharing of information. There's a Facebook page dedicated to Jesus Smart. If you'll just go to Facebook and just, I think, search for Jesus Smart or even Jesus Smart Real, I think it'll pull up the page to you. I encourage you to follow that page, to like it. You'll find links there to resources. It's a free online group. I would also encourage you to just apply and begin to act on what you're learning right away. It reinforces it and you'll start to own it as you act on it and apply. And here's a big one. Teach. Teach everything you know. Lock it in by teaching someone. It's a good idea in life to share and teach everything that we know. Remember, knowledge is not power. That's, that's been a popular phrase. Knowledge is really not power. It's potential power. And in the kingdom, if we're going to be real, kingdom knowledge is a heart relational knowledge with Jesus. It's not just a top of mind, prefrontal cortex, cerebral knowledge. From that heart knowledge, then it's like a spring and from it can flow practical knowledge, kingdom knowledge to elevate life and everything we touch with the potential of the kingdom of God. A way that you can share this podcast with others is to leave a review on iTunes with your biggest takeaway for this episode or another favorite listening app and post and share this podcast on social media. We really appreciate it. You can visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. Leave your thoughts and questions there. There's a contact page and you'll quite often, more often than not, find additional resources to dive deeper on a topic on a given show notes page for an episode. Plus, you can sign up to receive a free weekly email for next-level ideas and practice to advance as a Christ follower. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is smart. Make it a smart week. All the best until next time. Oh,